What's going on, everybody? And we're back for more Shoot the Shot action. As we mentioned in last week's episode, we're going to begin our uh, LeBron miniseries. Um, Mid, I don't really know. If we haven't really like developed a name for it yet. I'm sure we will before we publish it. Hopefully within the next five weeks, we can think of something witty. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, hopefully before we publish this one, we'll have a, you know, something to, to call it at least. Well, now the pressure's really on. I know. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make a, uh, a deadline for us. So Yeah, deadline like we're back in school. Oof. Ugh. Yikes. So <laughs> we're getting into, you know, this LeBron miniseries and we're breaking it down. What would you like stint by stint? I'm, I guess I'm going to call it midday. Yeah. Era. You can almost say era. Yeah. Right. Fa- phase of his career. Yeah. We don't, I mean, we almost don't want to say era just cause like, I feel like we would say his Cavs era. True. Combine. It gets a little complicated when you leave and come back to the same franchise, but it's definitely is like it's a, they've, they've all been different versions of the same player and yet still great collectively they, and individually yeah they really i i didn't even think about that like you know versions of lebron that you know have been in each of his stints because it's like when you think about it you know the younger years he was more of like just uh like in, just like super athletic and he didn't really have a lot of the skills down he just kind of was just better than everybody sure um athletically and physically um, the mental part of his game obviously started to pick up towards the end of that. Uh, and then the Miami years is kind of like where he put it all together. The Cavs years, you know, the second, sorry, second Cavs stint, he kind of was a little older, less physically gifted, but his IQ was, you know, off the charts at this point. Yeah. Um, no, and I don't really know what his Laker, I mean, it's hard to assess his Laker one yet yeah. since we haven't gone over 61 games. <laughs> Incomplete for sure, because... Last year was shortened because of his injury and his, frankly, lack of interest in his teammates. And then this year shortened because, obviously, the, the virus has slowed, shut down the entire world, really. Um, but, yeah, I think there's still enough enough to to generate some opinions about and just observe observations. Right. But we'll get to that. That's, that's the last episode in the series. <laughs> right, exactly. And uh, so, obviously, the first one... Uh, we're going to break down his first stint with the Cavs, which is kind of, I mean, for both, I think I'm speaking for both of us when I say that this, like Le- LeBron James, this LeBron James is really who got us into the NBA. Yes, I agree. Um, you, you know, have more of a, a childhood surrounding LeBron, I think, than I do, because I was super into the Indians when I was like, you know, below 12 years old yeah you were a baseball Uh, guy huh super big baseball guy i was like the the highlight of my of my years going to like i don't even know three to five baseball games with my grandparents so always always a good time grandpa had seats like right behind home plate oh perfect super nice but um i don't forget the lebron the lebron seasons at all um so what was i want to start this off kind of with like a a um, nostalgic. Yeah, you're gonna get um, a little emotional piece. on me. Well, no, I'm. I want something from you, actually, about. Okay, I'll you get know, emotional. Your first, maybe first impression of LeBron. Um, you know, in his young teenage years, um, early twenty years, like you know, just first impression of LeBron. You know, that first stint in a Cavs uniform. Okay, so I think I'm going to start back uh, before the beginning, maybe, and kind of set the scene a little bit, because we are both very close in age. Obviously, we've said before, we're three days apart, and we just turned 24. So the LeBron era with Cleveland in the NBA started 2003-2004 season, as most of you know. So we are, you know, maybe a little bit too young to really know what's going on, but I think the the reason that we are maybe both qualified as experts, quote unquote, is because we both grew up in the area that LeBron did. Mm-hmm. So we were hearing about him and our parents were hearing about him and our families were hearing about him all through high school because he went to obviously St. Vincent St. Mary in Akron, 20 minutes down the road from where we both grew up. So I think that really 
starts the whole story as far as why us specifically, maybe me specifically, are, you know, some could say obsessed, but definitely um, captivated by his whole story. And we're drawn to him even from the start. And it almost seemed like this biblical um, promised prodigal son type thing that he would mm-hmm. end up with the calves who were frankly down in the dumps for the better part of the, the previous decade before he showed up. And um, they kind of went through an identity change. They tried to change the logo, change the, uh, the colors and stuff like that um, before LeBron didn't really work. And then they got him and then they did it again, kind of rebranded and kind of ushered in this new era. That was the LeBron era, the initial LeBron era. Um, so I don't all the way remember your first question, but I hope most of that <laughs> answered it. No, I like that. That was a good intro. Yeah. Um, I kind of wanted to touch on your whole like prodigal son. Yes. Um, you know, kind of take on that because I think that, you know, fast forwarding past, you know, the, the, the stint we're talking about the reason or not the reason, but when he left for Miami, I think that that, um, cut so deep was why that was why it was so hurtful. Yeah. To people, you know, in this area and to Cavs fans, because when he left, it was like the prodigal son, um, you know, didn't like fulfill his destiny of bringing that championship to Cleveland. But it's kind of funny because when you think about it, it's like the prodigal son returns yeah, you know, that's that what I'm 14, saying. It, it, it is so biblical. Yeah, and it's weird. Um, but I just wanted to say, like, that's why I think, you know, because of, you know, him growing up in Northeast Ohio and, you know, then getting to the Cleveland Cavaliers, which was, you know, 30 minutes from where he grew up, Cleveland, Ohio, to Akron, Ohio. Yeah. Uh, I think that's why it just cut so deep. Um, I was actually at a LeBron game in high school at the Fieldhouse. The Mecca. Uh, he was, yeah, he was a junior in high school. And I can't tell you I remember because I was six years old. Right. Um, but I remember is... my dad telling me about it and like saying that we watched him play at the field house, um, you know, and, and all that and all that jazz. Yeah, because they did play Canton McKinley. Like he was mm-hmm. like, that's we're not making that up. That's that's in the history books for sure. Well, McKinley was always, you know, a. Powerhouse. A stellar, yeah, like a stellar basketball program. State I mean, everybody powerhouse. knows them. Well, and people know them for their football, but, you know, they've got a ton of athletes that, you know, play basketball as well. Oh, definitely. Um, but let's, Mitty, let's start talking about his his early Cavs years. Yeah. Um, obviously, he was drafted first overall by the Cavs in the 2003 draft, uh, a loaded draft class. And I think that'll probably go down in history as, you know, a top three draft class, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely top heavy as a draft. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe not as deep as some people remember it, but there's multiple all timers in it. So, yeah. Right. Um, So, you know, right out of high school, 18 years old, uh, he gets drafted and kind of is just handed the keys to this organization as a teenage kid with, you know, a, not not speaking from experience, but it's just like a lot of teams wouldn't rely on that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's tough to give someone who can barely grow facial hair the responsibility of a hundreds of million dollar <laughs> valued franchise. Like he gets these, you know, these keys to the organization and that very first game his his rookie season midday kind of just shows out. I mean, he yeah, in Sacramento, twenty five, uh, six boards and nine assists, and it was just kind of like, okay, this kid can play, and like that was that. It like all they needed to see was his first game, and that's all that mattered. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because there, there's always that skeptical yeah. and uh, the criticism of yeah, well, he's doing it against high school kids who have to worry about math tests the next day. Can mm-hmm. he do it against professionals, grown <laughs> men who eat, sleep, breathe basketball? And like you said, it took him 48 minutes, one game, and he was everything, if not better, 
as he was advertised. Yeah, and I'm sure there was growing pains. I mean, he's still 18 years old, turning 19 years old in his rookie season. Um, but, you know, they finished that, that rookie season, and they got better as a team. Um, didn't make the playoffs, but you could tell that, you know, like this was the guy that they needed, and it was time like to start building around him, even as a 19, 20-year-old kid. Yeah. Um, after that first season. Um, so, you know, we move on, I guess, from that first season to the third season is where I want to go because the first and the second season were super just like about him kind of growing into him himself. Um, they didn't make the playoffs either of those seasons, but that third season was the first time that he made the playoffs. Um, the Cavs went 50 and 32. So, I mean, if you think about it, it's a hell of a turnaround because you get the first pick um, in 2003 and then by what, 2005, 2006 season, you're, you know, going positive, what, 18 games? Yeah. Yeah. Comfortably over 500 and a, a legitimate contender in a, a pretty loaded Eastern conference at this time. I mean, they were the four seed at 50 and 32. So right. Right. And they play they were taking on the Washington Wizards. And I I think I remember this round because wasn't this oh, yeah. the Gilbert Arenas Wizards team where uh Gilbert hit that three. It was like one oh seven, one oh four, and Arenas hit a three probably thirty feet from the basket to yeah. tie the game at one oh seven. Is that that series? It is. He he was the the OG Steph Curry range. Was Gilbert was. Arenas taking all those big shots? Yeah, we had a he couple was. great series in those early LeBron playoff years with the Wizards, actually. And mm-hmm. that Gilbert Arenas, Jameson, Karan Butler, Brendan Haywood, Antonio. Those were some good, some good Wizards. They teams were fun. Sure. They were really fun. Yeah. Um. Wow, I can't even like I I just thought about that because I specifically remember uh, the Wizards jerseys that they wore that had like the the white front with the gold back. Those were some oh. of my favorite jerseys. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, I haven't seen those in a while. I actually forgot about those. I um, just had a flashback too to, to Sean Stevenson and how there was a little bit of beef between him and the Cavs. That's funny. Yeah. Cause he was waving his hand in his face as they were losing their second or third consecutive series to the Cavs, but that's fine. <laughs> oh man. It just all molds together. Um, but yeah, so they, they won that first playoff series, um, you know, kind of securing LeBron's um, undefeated first round playoff record. Uh, because, I mean, if you're going to get him, I think that that was probably the year to do it at this point. <laughs> yeah, you would think, you know, let's get this 21 year old kid with no experience. And then he goes out and absolutely obliterates it. <laughs> In that first series, right, averaged over thirty a game, no problem, no trouble at all. I think he had a triple double <laughs> in his his playoff debut too. Yeah, I think he did as well. I think you're right. right. Um, yeah, he was yeah thirty two, eleven, and eleven. So that's a nice little welcome to the playoffs, you twenty uh, one year old kid. Yeah, no jitters there. No. Um, so then uh, I believe they went on, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they went on to lose that next round. Correct. Um, that is true. I'm not positive who it was to. Uh, it looks like Detroit, the Pistons. Okay, so lost to the Pistons. Uh, I'm sure they were the, oh, that, oh, I guess they were the one seed because we were the four. Yeah. Um, but actually took the Pistons to seven in that series. So not, not a bad, um, you know, first playoff stint for LeBron. Yeah. Put up a good fight against the team who a couple of years prior just won the NBA title and had this like established, um, lineup that they were running with the two Wallace's and Tayshaun Prince, Ray Hamilton Billups. That right. was like, I mean, as good as it got back in the mid two thousands, as far well, as offense and defensive. Right. I was gonna say lineup, like their lineup, and honestly, their system too, because it was just like they oh, yeah. they just did what worked for them. And you know, back in those early two thousands, 
if you were going to get out of the Eastern Conference, like you most likely had to beat the Pistons. Yeah, yeah. Definitely um, the road to the finals was paved through Detroit. So in that first that first playoff um, run that LeBron had, played 13 games, um, averaged 30 a game, 30.8 points per game, 5.8 assists, and 8 rebounds. Uh, 21-year-old kid. And I mean, who, I mean, name a few guys who else who else was on his team. Uh, just... Yeah, yeah, that'll be a fun <laughs> exercise. Let me just uh, we'll say game seven against Detroit. Let's just click on the box score and I will read you off some of the performances from LeBron's <laughs> stellar teammates. Here. Right. So, so first of all, the first bit of comedy here, the final score to that game seven was Detroit. 79 Cavs 61. Oh my lord. That was a real life final score. The Cavs scored 23 points in the second half of that game. So, but back to the lineup. We've got LeBron who scored 27, 8 rebounds. A little bit inefficient from the field, but still 11 of 24. Fine. You know, he's LeBron. He's going to do his thing. The starting lineup rounding it out uh, in the front court, we had Big Z, who I have no issues with Big Z. He's one of my favorite players, one of my favorite Cavs ever. So he gets a pass. But then we we round out the front court with Drew Gooden, who in this particular game seven went 0 of 4 from the field, played 17, oh. scored 2. Oh, he's so bad. He's just, and we'll talk about it later. But yeah, because... <laughs> yeah we're just going to rip through this real quick. Yeah. Uh, but the rest of that starting lineup in the backcourt, we started Ronald Flip Murray. And Eric Snow, uh, Canton, Ohio, born and raised, shout out. But they combined for six points. Um, and then quick off yeah. the bench, Danielle Marshall, Damon Jones, Larry Hughes, uh, young Anderson Verajao, and the worst player that I've ever seen put on a Cavs uniform, Sasha Pavlovich, played 58 seconds in that game seven. And um, as you could have guessed, did not score. Yeah, the... Um... <laughs> I mean, the the rest of the lineup made nine field goals. That and LeBron made eleven. Yeah. So and that's just a, so yeah. Wasn't a great supporting cast, and that was always the issue. Um, you know, during LeBron's first go. Yeah. In Cleveland. But still, that supporting cast pushed Detroit at the peak of its powers to seven games in that round two series. So. Gross. Let's give, let's give a little bit of credit. We'll give. I mean, that's just more credit to LeBron, who, yeah, even at such a young age, was able to carry and lead, um, like really no one else, especially in the modern era. Oh right. I mean, we yeah, we mentioned before some of those guys would you know struggle to make NBA rosters that were getting over twenty minutes on his teams. Yeah, um, we, we could honestly talk for six hours about how much I hate Sasha Pavlovich. If you want. <laughs> no, no, we'll be okay. Okay. Um, so, Mida, I just want to, you know, really quickly get some paperwork out of the way um, and okay. run through his accolades from this first calf stint from so, so 18 years old to 25 years old, um, seven oh. full seasons. I'm so sad we lost him at 25. 20, I know. I was like, that feels so young. I was looking at the basketball reference page, and like, I mean, if I had to think about it, I knew it was 25 because I know he got his first title at 27. Yeah, but, but then you, you looked at it on paper, and it just, it just hurt <laughs> you're like, a little bit more. we just like, missed him for those four years that he was just man, he so really. Good. I mean, he's averaged 27, 7, and 7 in year two, and you're thinking, oh, we. Got a lot of good years out of him, which is true. Mm-hmm. But you didn't hit the peak years yet. No, and it was no. like, oh. Anyway. Yeah. So, 03-04, rookie of the year. Uh, average. A close race. Not to interrupt you. I feel like I'm interrupting a lot. but I'm No, no, no. You're go. fine. This I love the my, input. This is my passion, for sure. But yeah. that was a close race between him and Carmelo. Oh, was it? I don't even remember Melo's stats, honestly, yeah. from his rookie year. Melo actually averaged 21 points a game in Denver as a rookie. So they were real neck and neck. And oh, I he, think there was, there was honestly some controversy with it a little bit. 
Uh, uh, he, he was always good at shooting the ball. That's for sure. <laughs> he definitely was going to get his <laughs> shots up. Uh, but yeah, there was, there was a little bit of controversy. I vaguely remember with that rookie of the year award, but I, I think if you look back at it now, they gave it to the right person. Oh, I mean, everyone no about it. Everyone yeah. Agrees. Like yeah. it's not, it's not a big deal. Um, so he averaged 21 a game, uh, also had about six assists and then five and a half rebounds. So, I mean, a solid rookie campaign and then uh, came into that second year scoring 27, as you said, seven and seven. Made the leap. Um, yeah, really took a huge step, which was his first of six all-star selections Um Again, this is his first Cavs stint, so don't everybody be freaking out. Like, LeBron's been to way more than six All-Star games. Yeah. Um, so six All-Star selections, only missing his rookie year one in those seven seasons. Uh, made a 15 Player of the Month awards. So if you think about how many months are actually in a year, and then also that the basketball season goes over, they don't give one for October. So you got November, December, January, February, March. I don't know if they get one for April, honestly. But I think they do. So there's only six months. Right. So, and that's player of the month of the whole conference. And he was, again, in his early 20s this entire time. So just pure dominance right away. So I just did some quick math for you, Mide. And I love um, math. That would have been 42 months of possible player of the month awards. Right. Uh, 15 of them. Puts our number at 35.7% of the time LeBron James won the Player of the Month award. That'll do. <laughs> that will definitely get it done. Yeah. So, um, you know, 2006, 2008 got those All-Star Game MVPs, which aren't like necessary awards, but... A lot of the greats have like, you know, one or two. So he had to go out and get at least one of them um, for legacy purposes. Yep. Um, and then the uh, the one Olympic gold medal in 2008 and the 2008 Olympics. Uh, he was also a part of the bronze medal team in 2004, but he was 20 years old. So we can't really put the blame on him for getting a bronze medal. Right. I put most of the blame on Richard Jefferson for that one personally. R Really? <laughs> no, I don't know. Oh. I don't. I did not watch the 2004 Olympics. Was he on that but team though? He, I think he, he was. was. He was. He um. Who was yeah. that? That had to it be was like really a tough time for talent back then. When you really think about it, I mean, the guys that are great for the 08 and 12 Olympics were not around yet. So, I mean, we're looking at Jason Kidd, um, Vince Carter, probably. Yeah, Vince Carter, Kobe, those type of guys. But, like, those are, I mean... You would think good enough. They should have won. They definitely should have won the gold medal. Don't get me wrong. I'm not... Okay, so Kobe not, was... So here's... I've got the, the roster for us, just to be solidified. I feel um, like Kobe and Shaq didn't play because they just went to, like, four straight finals. They didn't. And okay. uh, neither did Kevin Garnett. So, I mean, there's probably, They're missing three the of the player. top five players of that era. Oh, definitely. Um, Iverson was there. Duncan was there. Those are probably the other two from that, like what? 98 to like 2008 range that were like, yeah. How about T-Mac? Did T-Mac play? So T-Mac did not play. Okay. So yeah. Um, yeah. They're just missing. I mean, this, this roster this is, is the a good team. Yeah. Like it was, it was, it was mellow. It was Dwayne Wade. Um, it was LeBron. So LeBron's 19, Melo's 20, Wade's 22, Mecca Okafor, Marty Stoudemire, 21. Mecca Okafor. <laughs> and then you got like Lamar Odom, Sean Marion, Stephon Marbury, uh, Tim Duncan, Allen Iverson were all the guys that were over, you know, 24, 25 years old. Uh, and then Boozer was 22. Oh, Boozer. Speaking of the early Cavs. <laughs> yeah, oh, he dipped out too off. early. He freaking lied to us is what he did. We had he, it. We had a decent lineup. So this he is lied just, to a lot of people with his painted on hair. His painted hair. I forgot about that. That's funny. <laughs> this is like so like 
the worst rosters of LeBron's first seven years were really like the middle three. Because I really didn't hate the early, early. with Because they had Boozer. They were doing a decent job at building through the draft. Yeah. I mean, we had, I mean, they had Ricky Davis and Darius Miles. So I will withhold my comments on that. Well, Ricky but, Davis wasn't like, I mean, he was like, okay. They're both a little showboaty. Yeah. They're as very, far as yeah. winning basketball. But I mean, the, bru- the, the Boozer LeBron thing should have worked. And I'm sad we only got the limited amount of time that we did. I think it was just one full year, honestly, before Boozer took the offer from Utah after saying he was going to sign with us. But yeah. I guess he didn't want to be the second fiddle to LeBron and play in his shadow. Interesting. Even though he did that for the rest of his career. So he played in Darren Williams' shadow. (laughs) But whatever. You know, go get your money. Darren Williams and Carlos Boozer, aren't they brothers? They are third cousins, I think. (laughs) Is that real? Which means they're husband and wife in Utah. No, I don't know. Okay. They actually kind of looked alike, but I was trying to make a cousin or a, a. a stepbrother joke there or something. I don't know. Okay. Um, anyways, so <laughs> moving into, uh, away from that horrible bronze medal team, yeah. um, the two most important accolades I'd say from this stint are those back-to-back MVPs mm-hmm. in 08, 09, and then 09 and 2010, where, I think it became clear that LeBron was the best player in the league. Yeah. I, um, so there's like a 17 minute video about LeBron's first MVP year on YouTube. I advise all of our listeners to go just watch a little bit of it. You don't have to watch all 17 minutes because you're not, uh, no one's as well, I guess there's free time now. So, uh, you do whatever you want. <laughs> watch <But> it. <laughs> it just really, you can just, this is where it's so evident that he is head and shoulders stronger, faster, more energetic, bouncier than every other player on the court. And they're all professional athletes. So if someone can separate themselves athletically like this amongst other professional athletes, it's just, it was so obvious that this was the best player in the league. And I really think it's not a biased opinion to say he has. He, this is, um, as you said, Sam, this is where he started that reign of the best player was that first MVP year, the 08 09 campaign. Yeah. And it was like, like people, like we knew it was coming. It was only really a matter of when. I mean, we're talking about his second year in the league. The dude scores 27 points a game, has seven assists, seven rebounds. And we're talking about a kid that, is 19 years old at the beginning of the season, 20 years old when the year ends. Yeah. And he's averaging 20. I mean, people were talking about Luca this year and they were, you know, going nuts over him on social media and, and, you know, all that stuff. And he's doing the same thing that LeBron was doing. Yeah. Yeah. And LeBron plays defense or played defense back in this first arrow too. He could. He was. He was flying he was all over the place on defense. Luca's Luca's like slow motion. Luca's sometimes, but doughboy for sure. <laughs> He's definitely not a, a plus on the defensive end, like um, LeBron was. Yeah, and then another. I forgot his one accolade. Uh, so his lone scoring championship um, in the 2007-2008 season, which is given to the player. So it's. It kind of confused me, but is it it's is it the highest average or yeah. just the most points scored? Yeah, so this is where this award is a little stupid, in my opinion, because it is the highest average points per game uh, amongst the qualified players who ever played. You know, there's there's a limit of games you have to play, obviously. Mm-hmm. Not the person who scores the most, because 2018, which we will get to that, obviously, a few weeks from now, 2018, LeBron had the most points scored in the league, but James Harden won the MVP and the scoring title that year because it was, you know, higher points per game. But LeBron had more total points. It's a weird award, but yeah. Yeah, so he averaged uh, 30 a game um, for that season. Button. Yeah. Um, 
but it's not his highest. It's not his highest um, average season. Actually, uh, that would be his third season, which he averaged 31 a game, 31.4 points per game. Um, and you're out here thinking, you know, oh, well, how did he not average the most there? Well, that's because Kobe went absolutely nuts that season. Yeah. Um, this was the year Kobe averaged 35 and didn't was this one MVP. of his, yeah, I was just, I was going to say, was this the year that he didn't win the MVP too? And he averaged 35 and yeah, 35. that was, 4. uh, that was one of the Steve Nash years, mm. so. uh, but LeBron wasn't even second. Actually, Iverson, Iverson averaged 33 a game that year too. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. You think almost scoring 31 and a half points a game in your the bronze Third. medal. For the scoring title. Yeah. And then Gilbert Arenas and uh, Dwayne Wade actually rounded that one out. So, wow. Yeah. Wade got up there really quick. How about Gilbert Arenas, man? Yeah. How about that guy? CCW. <laughs> <laughs> so, another thing that we discussed right before we jumped on and started to get into it, but saved the rest for the pod was LeBron becoming the, uh, the Cavs' leading scorer. In 2008, passing Brad Darty. Darty. I love it. <laughs> did I drill it? You did. Um, so passed him at, he was 23 years old when LeBron came the leading, became the leading scorer of the Cavs, which is just unheard of. Um, I don't know, yeah. like, is that speaking volumes of, our past teams or LeBron being that good, a little bit of both. <laughs> I think it's definitely a little bit of both. Uh, the Cavs definitely didn't have a storied history to be fair, but to do it in less than five full seasons, I think with any franchise would have been impressive, mm-hmm. but I mean, it was what a little over 10,000 career points. Um, his, his Cavs total or, like the, first. the record that he broke, Brad. Oh, yeah. it was. I think it's like 10,200 or something like that. Yeah. So he, his final number was like 15,000, I, I believe. Oh, okay. Wait, so, I could be way wrong. Is I no. off? No, no, I'm sorry. So that first stint is 15,000. The record that he broke was like 10. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like, yeah, he yeah. only had to get to 10,000 or so points, and he scored over 2,000 a year. So, right. Yeah, a blistering pace compared to – and that's no uh, – I don't want to say, Brad, like – he was a good player, and I think people underrate him. I think he quit a little bit early because mm-hmm. he wanted to be an announcer. So, like, he was a really, really good player. Him – and uh, Mark Price too, back then Larry Nance. Well, yeah, Rod. I mean they they got knocked out by Jordan. What? Yeah, twice. those those were better teams than people remember. Like they were winning fifty five plus games. Like that was not mm-hmm. like that was, was a good just, era. But that was, was really Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You run into obviously the greatest player of all time to that point by a lot, and it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but yeah. So LeBron finished actually that. This first one, uh, this first stint with uh, just over 15,000 points. Um, and then obviously came back for that four years and added another 7,800. Um, so he's over 20,000 in a Cavs uniform, which is not going to ever be touched ever. Nope. <laughs> I hope so as a Cavs fan, but you know. Yeah, right, right. Um, so just his stat line, Midday, before we transition here um from those first seven years lebron played 548 games uh started in 547 and there's a funny story why he yeah do you know it i i i forget it and you're okay i know it i will tell it okay so it was in the 0708 season he started 74 out of Apostles 75 that he played in. And the reason was his own will. He said, I will come off the bench, sub me in when you sub in Anderson Verizhow. Because over that whole summer and into the season, Andy was kind of holding out and asking for more money than the Cavs offered him. 
And he had been with the team a couple of years. And, you know, everybody loves Andy. He was his fan favorite. He takes charges, does all the dirty work, that stuff. And LeBron didn't want the fans to boo Verizhou when he got subbed in because of this contract holdout and, you know, being greedy in the eyes of a fan. But I think every fan, if they were in that situation, would obviously want more money too. So I can't really fault Andy. But that is why LeBron decided to come off the bench so he came in at the same time because he, you damn well know you ain't booing when LeBron gets subbed into the game. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So, So, yeah, so that's a story that gets a little bit pushed under the rug and people forget. But I think it's a testament to LeBron's character for a 23-year-old kid to care that much about a teammate to sacrifice his starting every game of his career record um, to help a brother out. I can't even like, I mean, going back and watching, you know, some of the videos, I remember we used to just love Verichelle. Like everybody would have those, you know, those yes. hats, those, I don't even know what they, you would call them. Those the hair wigs. pieces. Yeah. <laughs> the wigs. Why could I not think of the word wigs? That's all right. Um, political party from the 1800s. I don't know. I don't know. Just skip over it. Skip over it. <laughs> um, but it was like watching some of these videos now. It was like, why the hell did we like him so much? He wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> he, he really was just a zero on offense for like 90% of his career with us. Oh, man. But hey, fan favorites. What do you Yeah. Yeah. I think it was just how hard he worked. It was kind of like a deli type thing. Yeah. He was tall, floppy haired deli. Mm-hmm. The perfect comp. So real quick, Mede, before we take our break um, mm-hmm. and transition, uh, one of the things I did want to mention was, you know, in the end of LeBron's, uh, nearing the end of LeBron's, um, you know, first stint with the Cavs, we mentioned it before. It's kind of like one of those things that we we remember, but we almost want to forget. And it was that game winner against Orlando in game two. Yeah. Um, at home. Uh, you know, super iconic. And I think it would have been more iconic if we had won that series and if yes. Orlando wasn't doing HGH. Yes. Um, but, you know, I remember it vividly watching it. And, you know, Hido Turgaloo was for some reason a, a god this series. Yeah. And, and comes down, hits a jumper with it was like point nine, cold blooded. Yeah, it was a clock. full second. I think it was one point zero. Okay, exactly. Yeah. Um, and we are just staring O two in the face, going to Orlando because we just had these first two games at home. Yeah, and this was the was this the sixty six and sixteen Cavs team? Yes, it was. Okay, uh, and then LeBron hits this, you know this top of the key three to win the game and the gunned um, was it the gunned still, or was it, I, did they change I, it to the queue yet? I think this was early queue days. Yeah. Okay. Um, but they changed or they changed whatever um, hits it. And then everybody, you know, goes crazy, whatever, but we go on to lose the series. So I think a lot of people kind of forget about this game winner in the playoffs uh, in his legacy. Right. Right. No question. This was definitely one of the iconic moments of his first seven years. So it's definitely worth mentioning. Right. We had to, had to bring it up. Um, yeah. But next, uh, after we, we take our, we come back from our break. Sorry, we're going to take a break real quick. Uh, and then we're going to come back with um, what we kind of believe to be LeBron's most iconic game um, from this first stint with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, Mede, let's set the scene real quick. It is May 31st, 2007. Um, the good old days. Yeah. The Eastern Conference Finals. Remember when we could go outside? That was fun. <laughs> Without being screamed at. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, the, the scene is the Palace at Auburn Hills in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, it's game five. The number two seed Cleveland Cavaliers are taking on the number one seed Detroit Pistons. And as we mentioned in the first half of this podcast, the Pistons were the team in the East 
in the early to mid 2000s this is the team that you had to beat um if you you know wanted to win an nba championship if you wanted to win the east you know even if it was an early round game you had to beat the pistons um to try to win the east so before we get into the game midday i just kind of wanted to talk about two things that i brought up to you and i just wanted to bring them up again um they're kind of funny to me. And the first thing is that Steve Kerr is actually calling this game. Yes. And I think he's really good at it. I think he was a great announcer. Him and uh, the Marv Albert one, two combo was a really good booth. And who was opinion. the third guy? I couldn't even, I couldn't make out who the third guy was. There was a third guy on this broadcast. I didn't even realize that. Well, he would like come in and say something. Like that, it wasn't, it wasn't not often. Craig Sager though. Right. No, no, no. And it wasn't often, but Steve Kerr sound, I mean, granted it was probably the microphones at the time, but Kerr sometimes like sounded a little different. So maybe that was who I was thinking. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was hilarious that Steve Kerr kind of witnessed LeBron's like coming out party game and then coaches four straight finals against him. But the other funny thing that I, you know, thought I should bring up was that Chris Weber was actually on this Pistons team. And you yes. told me that he went for 20 points in this game. Yeah. This was like washed Chris Weber. Best trying moments. to catch a ring. <laughs> yeah. It's really, I mean, that was the team to go to. He was, I mean, the Pistons were heavy favorites in this game. So he, I'm sure he was expecting, uh, maybe almost guaranteeing that he would have at least a finals appearance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, he played his ass off in this game. Went nine to thirteen. Like I said, scored twenty points. So he he did his part. Yeah. Um. So you know, twenty. This is twenty-two year old LeBron coming onto this stage, a uh, game five at an opponent's arena. Uh, the series is two-two coming into this game. I think both teams took care of it was, was it two, two and then one, one, one. Was that how they. So I'm the not on finals series. Yeah. I'm not totally sure, but I'm pretty sure. Okay. That that's what I would guess. Okay. So they both won their respective home games yeah, and that's what came into, right. That's and came it. into, you know, this, this game, it was knotted up at two, two LeBron played Obviously, double overtime. LeBron played 50-plus minutes. I think him and Chauncey Billups both played over 50 minutes. Uh, And then Rip Hamilton was super close. He was around, like, 49. Mm -hmm. Um, And granted, there was, you know, 58 minutes to be played in this game since it was a double overtime game. Um, But LeBron ended with 48 points, 9 rebounds, and 7 assists. And most people would, like, look at that stat line. You know, like, if you didn't watch the game, you look at that stat line, and you're like, wow, like, that's a really good game, but, you know, they played double overtime. So, you know, it's not not taking anything away from it, but they're like, okay, he, there's 58 minutes to be played in this game. LeBron played, you know, 50-plus. He scored 48 points. Like, that's a pretty good game for a 22-year-old kid. But I think that the miraculous part of it was how and when he got 29 of those 48 points. 29 of the Cavs' last 30 points scored in the game came from LeBron James. He really was subpar for almost all of regulation until really the end of the fourth quarter kind of ramped it up, and then obviously the two overtimes he dominates. Um, But yeah, it's a weird game. Going back, we watched it, both of us, recently, and what what just sticks out immediately is how slow the game is. Oh, the like pace. Just, just the pace of it. And like, there's a lot more post touches. There's a lot more mid range jumpers. There's a lot more. I and mean, the Pistons were running a zone. Like, it literally slowed the game down. Yeah. And this, I think, really summarizes truthfully part of the reason why I wanted to pick this game, not only because it's LeBron's best offensive performance, but I think what the Pistons did defensively against LeBron in this whole series kind of just like encapsulates this era of basketball and the way teams defended LeBron because the Spurs did this too. When they played him in the finals, the next round is they just run a two, three zone a one, three, one zone. LeBron gets the ball. It's obviously an isolation play. As soon as he drives in the paint, 
the all five guys collapse in the paint and just clog the entire lane. And, you know, for the most part, it, it, it worked because there was really only one or two other shooters on the floor for the Cavs. Because not only did their roster suck, but teams were stupid back then and didn't know how to build a roster that worked uh, to the to the best capabilities with LeBron and that offensive style that he wanted to play. But yeah, just it somehow. I mean, it was 13 years ago, which already seems weird to say. Makes us feel old. Yeah, but it doesn't feel that long ago because I remember watching this game to see how different the game is being played just kind of blow. It's mind blowing really. Right. Um, and back to what you said about the pace. Yeah. Um, if you remember me looking this up, I do tell the last night. Yeah. So the points per game in the NBA. Um, so this is, you know, every single game, every team score averaged out was, I believe it was Mm 97.3 points per game. And this is back in 2007, so 2006, 2007 season. And so just to compare that for you guys, this season, it is the highest I believe it's ever been at 111.7 points per game for all NBA teams. So a major uptick in the pace of play, you know, probably possessions each team gets a game more possessions, more threes overall scoring is just, yeah. Ridiculous. I mean, we've just adapted as fans to liking this style of play. More scoring is more exciting. That's just how, you know, it's, it's been offense sells tickets. And it's so weird because watch rewatching this game midday. We were like talking about just how slow it was and how we almost seemed like bored. Cause it was just like, like methodical almost, yeah. you know? Yeah, it was competitive the whole time, but it was, mm-hmm. you know, not a ton of highlights in regulation, the first four full quarters. Right. It so, was, and that's partly the official's fault, too, which I, <laughs> that's another thing I want to mention. Yeah, we will. Um, actually, let's just do that right now. Yeah. Um, so, re watching this game, I, I'm texting Midday two nights ago and. The officiating, not that we're, you know, we don't want to blame games on the officials, but because it was bad for both sides. So we're not even saying that they helped anybody in particular, but yeah, the officials have gotten so much better since 2007. Somehow. We still don't give them credit. Somehow they have improved because the current officials actually let the game happen. Mm -hmm. I was watching this game and I couldn't believe like it seemed every single possession had to have a whistle in it. And there was a billion free throws. The Pistons took 43 free throws. The Cavs took 39. So an average of over 80 free throws in the whole freaking game. It just slows the pace down. And this is without instant replay like we have now, which slows it down even more. Two Cavs fouled out, I think. I'm not sure if any Pistons fouled out. I think that they had a couple with five, one or two, maybe with five fouls. Oh, yeah. Three Cavs actually fouled out. Three. Okay, so there's that. Um, Three Cavs fouled out. Two Pistons had five fouls. They ejected Antonio McDice. Oh, that's right. That's four minutes into the game. In the beginning of the Completely oh, obliterates Anderson Verzell's face with his forearm. Yeah, which, I mean... Definitely a flagrant one in the NBA now. I don't think he's getting ejected for that. Yeah, so I think, honestly, he might now get a flagrant two. But I think back then it was a big no. Because on the broadcast, Steve Kerr disagrees with the call. And I can't say I disagree either because being that it's game five of Mm -hmm. the East Finals in a 2-2 series, it's... I mean, it's the playoffs. You can't. One McDice was a solid part of their team. Yeah, you can't take a rotation guy from that team. I mean, it was kind of a dirty play, but. (laughs) Yeah. So, real quick, can I just compare Rasheed Wallace to Draymond Green? (laughs) Can I. (sighs) Would you. Would you. Agree with that comparison? So or no? I, I think that's an, a, a big insult to Rasheed Wallace. Okay, so but, not not sorry. Let me. But if you mean the technicals and the complaining, I'm I will talking, give you that yeah, one. Demeanor. I'm talking more demeanor than. I will ability. definitely give you that one because Sheed could play his ass off. He was actually right. like a good player. Yeah, he was good, but and he was bigger and a better overall know, defender. Just my hatred for them and 
Like, cause I, I just distinctly remember just hating Rashid Wallace the most of those Pistons teams. Agreed. Agreed. And it's probably because he was the best one, you know, either him or Chauncey, but yeah, but Chauncey weirdly, really didn't do anything like wrong. Like he was like, no, quietly Chauncey good. was a good player. Chauncey yeah. was just like, I'm going to go out here, give you the business, hit a big shot, mm-hmm. manage the game, play good defense. Yeah. Rip Hamilton kind of pissed me off a little bit watching him because he was so damn good too. Coming off those curls, those back screens, and just hitting those mid-range jumpers like it was nobody's business. But yeah, yeah, the rest of them, you know, they don't really complain too much. They just they just play basketball. But Rashid would let you know about it for sure. <laughs> so, kind of starting this off, we're just gonna fast forward completely to the fourth quarter. Um, Detroit goes on a 10-0 run midday and goes up 88 to 81 with three minutes left. The crowd's in it, you know, they're obviously in Detroit. So at this point, you know, just re-watching the game, I myself was like, there's no way that we should have won this game. Like, they're yeah. up 88 to 81 with three left, and they just went on a 10-0 run. Yeah, it's almost like, did I click on the wrong game? <laughs> yeah, and LeBron gets an and one, going to his left. Um, I think it was his left, unless I'm thinking of a different layout. But anyways, gets an and one, and... This starts his um, his 25 straight, and I believe his 29 of the last 30. Um, yep. Drew Gooden hits a free throw in there somewhere in the last five minutes of the game. Legendary. <laughs> um, oh, and really quickly, Drew Gooden, just not good at all. Out. Got, You're all the way out on Drew all Gooden. All the way out on Drew Gooden. And I thought that I liked him when I was young and naive. But my God, he misses so many bunnies yeah, and just layups he, in this game. And I'm just like, dude. He was rough this is, in this one. Oh, my Lord. It was so brutal to watch. Um, but anyway, done by the trash bag that is Sasha Pavlovich. <laughs> so LeBron gets this and one, starts a scoring streak at about three minutes left in the game and um, the Cavs go on their own little streak. I think it was like a seven Oh, a seven Oh run to make it um, 88 all. And then somehow go, they go back and forth. Oh, LeBron, sorry, LeBron and the Pistons go back and forth um, to not this game up at 92 to send it to overtime. Uh, and, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, um, the broadcast kind of like sets this up midday. I don't know if you caught that. Um, so they're talking about LeBron's like fourth quarters. Yeah. And, you know, the first two games in Detroit, he like struggled. I think he had like, like 13 points total mm-hmm. uh, in the fourth quarter. And then, the next two games at the Cavs, he had like 13 points and 12 points in the fourth quarter, obviously ended up in wins. Um, but there's just like a feel when the, <clears throat> when like the, uh, the graphic shows up on the screen that they're like, like something's going to happen. I don't, I mean, obviously I knew something was going to happen, but it was just weird rewatching it. And they kind of were like hyping it up. Like, all right, let's see if LeBron's got, you know, another, Solid fourth quarter performance. Uh, comes out and puts up 17 in the fourth. Not bad. A, a solid day, I'd say, in, in a quarter. Um, yeah. But the game gets knotted up at 92. And then, you know, first overtime, LeBron is the, I think he was the only one to take a field goal, wasn't he? He's was the only one to take a field goal as well. Or was there one miss? I think the Sasha missed um, one field goal, actually, in this one. That would not surprise me, Sasha Pavlich missing a shot. <laughs> and also taking one, because for whatever reason, he thought he was option number two. But I think you're right. I don't know if anybody, I think, like I excluding remember. the 60-footer at the end of the period by Eric Snow, I think it's pretty much LeBron or nothing on oh, the yeah, offensive okay. end. Okay, so they, they're counting that 60-footer by Eric Snow as a field goal attempt. Yeah. Um, yeah, so LeBron was two for four in the first overtime, had nine points, was five for six from the line, which was huge because 
he's still, you know, isn't the best free throw shooter. Um, but nobody else even took a, 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 an actual like attempt from the field. Yeah. Which is probably, you know, smart game planning if you're Mike Brown. I don't know who else I would <laughs> up to play for. Maybe get Z a post touch. Yeah. Um, or but a pick as the and Pistons, pop, but I like, don't want anybody else shooting. Oh, man. As the Pistons, it's just theoretically super easy to defend against. And they did a good job because LeBron made some disgusting fadeaway jumpers with hands in his face. Like, they were right there. It's not like he was getting open outside shots. Um, he did get quite a few dunks, uh, but that's just because he's a f- super freak athlete and yeah. he, he gets that step on you and it's, it's game over. Yeah. He had like three dunks down the stretch that it was just like, are they going to let like stop him from getting to the rim or, or what? Nobody wants to get dunked on. Um, but your boy, Sasha Mede actually played 10 minutes in these two overtimes. <laughs> so yeah. Clearly, no. Mike Brown doesn't. Uh, hate him as much as you do. In fact, actually might love him. So I think it was more so a case of uh, who the hell else. <laughs> That's uh, probably not putting Ira Nubel in. Larry Hughes didn't even play a minute of overtime. Was he fouled out? Uh, Larry Hughes also sucks. But he's better than Sasha, I think. I think theoretically, um, I'd probably agree with that statement. <laughs> but... I think they were thinking maybe Sasha's a more capable defender. Marginally speaking, I don't know. Larry Hughes was not much on defense aside from getting steals. But, yeah, any, I mean, I don't want to say he was in foul trouble because literally everybody was in foul trouble. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't Um, know. So, going into the overtime, the broadcast was actually like counting how many points LeBron had scored straight. Yeah. Well, it, it became pretty obvious that he was going to take all the shots. <laughs> right. And, you know, rewatching the game midday, you don't, it's hard to, like, it's not like a heat check, you know, it's just like, he's just scoring points. Like he, he would go to the line and then they'd come back down and get a dunk. And then they'd come back down the floor, he'd go to the line, he'd make one of two. Like it was super slow how he was scoring all of these points, but he was the only one doing it. And like, yeah. At one point when the announcer said LeBron's got 22 of the Cavs' last 23 points, including, you know, 18 straight, it was like, okay. Uh, did not see that, you know, in this game at all. Right, right, because it was very methodical, aside from really down the back end of overtime number two. Mm-hmm. It's when he just kind of goes berserk, goes right. four for four in that period. Right, and you know, want to dial back to what I said about Steve Kerr's quote. Um, Steve Kerr's a guy that played with Michael Jordan. Um, and Tim Duncan played. Yeah. So played with, you know, the greatest basketball players of all time, you know, the, the Mount Rushmore of basketball players as far as Jordan and then, and then being around Duncan uh, and Phil Jackson and, and pop. But, uh, LeBron hits, so it's 107-104. The Pistons are up, and you're starting to feel like, you know, we might lose this game again. And LeBron comes down the floor and hits this, hits this, like, almost like a fadeaway three. Mm -hmm. Um, And Steve Kerr just goes, this is Jordan-esque. And it's, like, super subtle into the the telecast that you hear it. Yeah. Um, Because he just kind of, like, threw it into conversation, like, you said it was Marv Albert, correct? Oh, yeah. He is talking. <laughs> he is a legend, especially on uh, NBA Live 05. Iconic. Um, but he's like, you know, continuing to say that LeBron's got, you know, 25 straight points or whatever he had at the time. And Steve Kerr just kind of throws it in there real quick and just says, this is Jordan-esque. And to me, it was like, that's kind of cool because this is Steve Kerr, like the guy that played with Jordan. And he's out here saying that this 22-year-old kid is having a Jordan-esque game. Yeah. And so, to me, it was just something worth mentioning. Yeah, definitely. When you, when you, like you, that's a good to point out there that 
anybody could say that's Jordan-esque, but when it's a guy who has played in the finals right next to Michael Jordan. Um, yeah, like he had but, a front row seat, saw it firsthand. Yeah, he would know better than anybody. So, um, LeBron also hits 11 straight field goals. <laughs> um, oh. So that's that, that 25 straight points, uh, 11, and then the 29 of the last 30, 11 straight field goals he hits. Um, gross. Just <laughs> like absolutely ridiculous. And you just keep going to the fact that this guy's 22 years old and he's, you know, dismantling these double teams and triple teams that this, you know, defensive guru, like, like this team was known to be good defensively and he was just like dismantling them. Like they couldn't stop him. Yeah. They were throwing everybody at him too. Um, so Mita, he hits that he hits that three. Game's tied at one oh seven. And um gets the iconic like Tayshawn Prince is literally was it Tayshawn Prince or was it Chauncey? But somebody was guarding him. I think it was Tayshawn, just completely gives him his left hand. And LeBron drives left, comes back across right, and kind of hits like a scoop spin off the glass. Um to go up 109, 107. And yeah. then they come down the floor. Well, they call a timeout, come down the floor. Chauncey Billups gets a shot that literally rolls off. Gets of the a rim. great look. Yeah. Probably and... should have made it. I thought it was in, <laughs> thought it was in rewatching it. Thought it was in when I saw it the first time. I probably won't watch it a third time because it might go in that time. It might. That's how close it was. <laughs> Completely changed the history books. Um, yeah. But minute, we picked this game because we just thought it was kind of like the coming out party for the young LeBron James. Yeah, yeah, this was his first uh, iconic moment, you could say, because it it solidified them making it to the finals for the first time against a heavily favored Pistons team who probably would have put up a better fight in the finals against the Spurs. But yeah, that was just... LeBron truly announcing that I'm here. I'm here for real. I can do this with or without teammates that are going to help. So Mm -hmm. I think this definitely is the game to pick for that. Those first seven years. Right. So, uh, and then the other thing I wanted to point out, but it was my love for the Cavs blue jerseys. Yeah. Big time. Agree. Those were my favorite jerseys in that first stint that LeBron had with the Cavs. Yeah. That's the Jersey. I think that I, I can't remember if I got no, I didn't. I had a maroon one, the the wine. Yeah, I I have a blue one. It's actually I know exactly where it is in my parents' basement. I could go get it right now and put it on. <laughs> <laughs> Recording live from the parents' basement. Hilariously, <laughs> I probably still fit in that jersey. <laughs> oh man! All right, so you know, wrapping up. LeBron's first stint with the Cavs, obviously it ends um, with the iconic walking off the the court in Boston with him ripping that jersey off and the announcer saying, is that going to be the last time we see LeBron in a Cavs jersey? Uh, Ironically enough, no. Thank Uh, God. But for that next year, yes. Next week, midday, we're going to get into the, the Miami Heat years of LeBron James, probably the peak I will not probably, we know that it's definitely the peak of his um, career as far as like athletic ability, um, you know, and IQ kind of coming together to create an absolute monster, a guy that shoots over 50% from the field, four straight seasons, adds a couple more MVPs. But we will, we'll get into that one next week uh, and pick another iconic game. Talk about that one. Not sure what we're gonna do yet, Mide. Do you have a, Do you have an idea? Uh, not totally. There's definitely a a few handfuls to pick. We could go that game six with Boston. We could go the game seven, 2013 against San Antonio. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of good options. He's he's an incredible player. So yeah, or like game one we, against Dallas. <laughs> game no, the Dallas ones 
We'll talk about the Dallas series for sure. Yeah, we will. Because that's we part will. of the story. But he also scores his um, his career high in a Miami Heat uniform too. So there's that game. But that's sure. you know not of as much importance because it is a regular season game. Go Bobcats. <laughs> Oh, he played so many. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into it next week. Uh, thanks for joining us, everybody, and we will be back with another LeBron episode. <laughs>